past week, as I was spending some time preparing for tonight, I had uh, actually kind of an emotional time. I'm a guy, so I don't know how emotional we are, but it was, uh, it was a pretty emotional time as I just took a little time to look back. I went online to uh, some of the videos that we had for our next move campaign. So the Norton campus over the last uh, year has been raising money in order for us to be able to do this. It's actually incredible. They're incredibly generous. And uh, we did this campaign. We had these meetings um, almost exactly a year ago. It was really interesting where um, we just kind of talked about our vision for the Barberton campus. I spent a little time going back and, and watching some of those videos this week. And it was so cool for us. Like, I thought it was very appropriate as, you know, we sit here and we're about to move forward, right? We're about to have our hard launch. It was very appropriate to just spend a little time looking back and what got us here. And it's actually amazing. I mean, even as you sit here and look around, and you think, I can't believe that God has brought all this to pass. I, mean, I don't know how many people are in here right now. We've got like 200 people a week right now that God has raised up and said, hey, we're, we want to be a part of this. And God has provided everything that we need and more. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. So I spent all the time, and I was watching these videos, and it's amazing like how little we knew back then. <laughs> like we, we didn't have much of anything except plans, right? Like we didn't have a staff. We didn't have a launch team. We didn't have, you know, equipment. We didn't have hardly anything back then, but we had plans. And plans are plans, right? <laughs> like they change all the time. It's very easy, depending on the circumstances, for our plans to change. And, uh, but we had these plans, and it's amazing as I watch these videos, like how much of the stuff that we were planning a year ago is like come to reality now. And it's a beautiful testimony to God and his faithfulness. But we also had two other things. I was thinking about it more. First I thought, we just had plans, and here we are. Then I was thinking about it more, and I thought, you know, we also had two other things. We had a calling, and we had faith. Like, I don't know really how to explain what a calling is. I mean, that's, that, it feels kind of weird. Like, how do you explain God, like, calling your heart? And I don't know how to explain it other than uh, me and a small group of people felt like God was just challenging us to step out, to, to step out and start something new and to take a risk. And there were times when um, it was like, yeah, man, God is definitely calling us to this. And then there were times when it was like, I am not so sure. I'm having a few doubts. Like, maybe it was just like uh, heartburn from the pizza last night or something. I don't know. But over and over and over again and through other people, God kept confirming what he was calling us to. And it requires faith. So calling and faith, right? It takes a lot of faith to, to step out and, and take a risk. And it's not faith in ourselves. Like, we're nothing that special. You'll come to know that. If you're visiting tonight, you'll come to learn that we're nothing all that special, right? But it's faith in God because God is a great God and he's powerful. Like, all of this stuff is his and it's from him. He's powerful, and he's good, and he loves us. Like, he knows our name, and he loves us, and so we can trust him. And so we took this step of faith out, and we made this decision that we were willing, and, and you guys are a part of this. We made this decision that we were willing to follow God into what was unknown. And that's hard. Like, it, it's hard to go places where you don't really know what's coming. You're not in control. We're relinquishing control. But we stepped out, and we said, God, we trust you. We trust you. That was a year ago. And so we knew our, we had plans. We felt like we had this calling. We felt like, God, we trust you. We have this faith. And guys, can I tell you, like, I was thinking about this this past week, too. Like, Marsha and I, Marsha's my wife, Marsha and I love Norton. Like, we, it was, 
we were on staff for about three years before we ventured out and did this, and we loved it. Like, you know, the, the, the congregation is awesome. Like, the staff that we got a chance to work with was awesome. Our kids absolutely loved the kids' ministry. We lived a mile from the church, right? I mean, that's kind of convenient, too. And I loved what I got to do. Like, I loved my job. Like, we were pretty comfortable. And just to be real honest, we were pretty comfortable. And I felt like that was a gift from the Lord. You know, I think God gives us these times of comfort in our life to, to maybe prepare us, right, to step out into something more. But, but see if you agree with this. I really believe this. I don't think God leaves us there in our comfort too long if we're listening to him. I'll say that again. Think about that in your own life. I think if we're listening to God, I don't know if he leaves us in those places of comfort too long. And so I felt like God gave us this time of comfort in Norton, like to be energized, to be prepared, to be ready. And so in our comfortableness, I don't know if that's a word or not, but in our comfortableness, we felt God calling us to step out to this city that has a lot of need. Barberton has a lot of need, right? There's some incredible things about this city. Like I love Barberton, but there is a lot of hard things in this city too. And we said, man, we want to be a part of the solution. Like we want to be part of... Of, of helping the city become what um, we know God wants it to become. And so um, we uh, uh, made some videos and stuff last year, and I thought it might be good to just show you as we are about to step forward into our hard launch, I thought it might be good to just take five minutes, actually a four-minute video I want us to watch, and look back and say, why are we doing this? Why are we going to Barberton? Take a, take a minute and watch this video, please. You know, some people have asked me why a plant in Barberton when we already have one right next door in Norton. It's a great question. Geographically, the two are close, but if you live in Norton or Barberton, you know that those two are two very different and very separate communities. And the truth is, there's just lots of people in Barberton that we will never reach with Norton campus. And so, we're going to them. Growing up, we spent a lot of time in Barberton. My mom was from Barberton. She grew up in Barberton. My uncles, my grandparents lived in Barberton all throughout my childhood. Plus, my parents were both teachers in Barberton schools. We'd even go to church off and on in Barberton. You know, Barberton is such a tight-knit community, and people are committed to the community. Many people that live in Barberton are committed to making it better, and I love that. There's this great pride in Barberton. And from, you know, the Cherry Blossom Festival to the Mum Fest to the YMCA to summer concerts, there's all kinds of fun stuff to do in Barberton. But the truth is, there's also lots of hurt in Barberton, and there's a huge need for Jesus. In the nation, the average household income is just over $67,000 a year. In Barberton, it drops by $22,000, about a third of that to just over $45,000 a year. Across our country, about 66%, two-thirds of our homes with kids under 18 are led by married couple, mom and dad. In Barberton, that number is just over 51%. Whereas in the nation, about 25% of these homes are led by a single mom. In Barberton, that number is 40%. Truth is, many, many dads are just not in the picture. They're not present in the lives of their children. The number of kids in Barberton schools on assisted meals is extremely high. 68% of kids in Barberton schools are on assisted meals. 
the number of divorced and widowed adults is much more highly concentrated in Barberton, over 40% higher than the national average. Household concerns in Barberton that are significantly higher than the national average are having enough food, caring for children, dealing with stress, and alcohol and drug abuse. About 66%, two-thirds of the people in the greater Barberton area have minimal or no faith involvement at all. That's over 20,000 people. And yet, think about this, about 87% of people believe in God. At the end of Matthew 9, Matthew tells us how Jesus went all throughout these towns and villages and he was preaching and teaching about the kingdom of God. He was healing all kinds of disease and sickness. And then he looks out over this crowd and it says he's, he's moved to his core. He has compassion on them. Literally, it means it's like his guts were wrenched because these people were harassed and they're helpless. Jesus said they were like a sheep without a shepherd. And then he turns to his buddies, to his disciples. And he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And he says, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. Guys, this has been our prayer. The Lord has put Barberton on our hearts we're not planning a campus to build a big church. That's not what we're doing. We're planning a campus to reach people with the gospel. Many people in Barberton are harassed and helpless. We've been asking the Lord of the Harvest to gather together a group of imperfect people like you and me to move toward the chaos, toward the struggle, toward the hurt and the pain, and to love and bring the gospel. Maybe who we've been asking the Lord to assemble together includes you. So that's why we're going to Barberton. At, uh, at those receptions, I shared a little bit about this passage in the Old Testament. It's in Genesis 12 and 15. And in this passage, it really had special meaning to me as we were stepping out, you know, a year ago as we were stepping out into Barberton, and I thought it would be good, as, again, as we're right here looking forward to maybe revisit that a little bit and, uh, and re-challenge ourselves and refocus ourselves. So it's in, uh, it's in Genesis 12 and 15, and it's a covenant, which is another church word that basically means a promise. God makes this covenant, God makes this promise with a guy named Abraham and his wife Sarah. Okay, And this promise is an incredible promise that isn't just to them, but actually includes all of us today. And so I want to read it to you. Uh, don't worry about pulling out your Bibles. We'll throw it up here on the screens. But it's in Genesis chapter 12. This is the, the covenant, the promise that God makes to Abraham and his wife Sarah. It says, starting in verse 1, it says, The Lord had said to Abram, uh, he used to be called Abram. God changed his name to Abraham. But God said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I'll show you. He says, go. I want you to leave everything, right? Leave everything to the land that I will show you. Verse 2, and I'll make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the, people, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So God makes Abraham, Abram, this incredible promise, right? He says, I am going to bless you. I'm not just going to bless you a little bit, but I am going to bless you a whole bunch. Like imagine having that experience with God where he speaks to you this way, and he says, man, I am going to bless you in an incredible way, right? You got to leave everything, like leave everything that you know. Step out, take a risk, 
trust me, and I am going to bless you in incredible ways. And so Abraham does that. Like, he leaves everything that he has, takes his family, leaves everything that he has, and he follows where God is leading him. And he believes that God will make him into this, this great nation. And it's really interesting. He's about 75 years old. Sarah's about, his wife Sarah's about 10 years younger than him. 75 years old when God makes this promise to him that God was going to make him into a great nation. But guess what? No kids. They had no children. 75 years old, 65 years old, no kids. But they trusted God, and so they stepped out, right? And for the next 25 years, God blesses them in many ways, okay? But he doesn't bless them in the one way that they want most, with a child. And so they wait, and they wait. And, and they're getting a little bit impatient. Like, I get impatient when I'm waiting for my Big Mac in line at McDonald's, right? Can you imagine waiting 25 years? You're 75 years old. Imagine waiting 25 years to have children. So he cries out to God. Eventually, he cries out to God because he's worried that uh, by this time, he's 100 years old. He's worried that all of the stuff that God had blessed him with wasn't going to go to his family, right? It's going to go to his servant. And so he cries out to God, and he says, God, please. Like, I thought you were going to do this, right? And so eventually, God answers him, and God blesses him, and God brings a son to them. His name is Isaac. And through Isaac and his son Jacob, you have the nation of Israel is born, okay? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Through Abraham's offspring, then, this is what the covenant said, this is what God promised to Abraham in this passage. He says, Through your offspring, the world will be blessed. And that sounds interesting to me, right? Probably sounds a little bit interesting to you, too. But you might be thinking, like, well, what does that have to do with me? Like, we're not all Jewish people in here. Maybe some of us are, but we're not all Jewish people in here. What does this have to do with us? Well, it's really interesting because uh, when you get into the New Testament, it talks a lot about faith in the New Testament. And then when you go back into Genesis and you read what God actually says to Abraham, he says, you are righteous because of your faith. You are blessed because of your faith. And the New Testament says that all of us that are people of faith in Jesus are actually children of Abraham. So it's not just people that are like physically descended from him, but all of us that are children of faith, that are people of faith in God, faith that Jesus is who he says he is, we, according to the New Testament, are actually children of Abraham, which means that we're children of this promise that God made to Abraham. And what's that promise? That we are to bless the world. You and I are called to bless the world. The world is going to be blessed through us. Think about that. Like, what does that mean? What do, what do you think it looks like for us as children of Abraham, a people of faith, to bless the world? Look, look a lot of different ways, right? Like, love the world. We serve people. We give to people that are hurting, right? We're compassionate to people. It could look a lot of different ways. But the best way, according to the Bible, the best way that we could bless the world is by giving the world the gospel. The best way that you and I, the way that we can best bless the world is by giving the world to the gospel. That we, have, we have some new signs up there. You see that one in the very back? We live to make Jesus make sense. When we help people understand who Jesus is, when we give them the good news, when we give them the gospel, it's the best thing that we could possibly give people. This series that we're finishing up today is called Epicenter. It's been about how, like, the gospel affects every part of us, right? So the epicenter of an earthquake is like the center of a disturbance in an earthquake that sends out shockwaves in every direction, affecting everything in its path, right? And we said the gospel is like a disturbance in our lives. 
It's a violent disturbance in our life that sends shockwaves out in every direction, affecting every single part of us. When we truly embrace the gospel, it affects every part of who I am. Think about that. When we get it, when we truly embrace the good news of what God says, it affects every single part of who we are. So in the series that we've been looking at for the last eight weeks, in the series we've been looking at different ways that affects us individually and personally, but also corporately and collectively as part of the church. And we said this is like these things are really important to us. Because of the gospel, we do these things. Because of the gospel, we do hard things, like plan a campus. Because of the gospel, we live to give, and we want to be generous with everything that God has given us. Because of the gospel, we share life together, right? But here's what we said. The first thing that we talked about on week one, this is what we said. We live to make Jesus make sense. We said that thing is foundational to everything else that we do. It is absolutely foundational to why we exist, and it's why we're coming here. It's why we're planning a campus in Barberton. Because we desperately want Jesus to make sense to people that are seeking him. You know, we're not, we're not planning this campus just to start another church for church people. It's the last thing Barberton needs. A church for church people, right? The church isn't for the church. We said this over and over. The church isn't for the church. Us. We're the church, right? The church isn't for us. The church is for the world. Jesus left us here so that we would make an impact on the world. So that we would be a witness for him. You guys know what a witness is, right? Like in in legal terms, in a courtroom setting, a witness is somebody who testifies truthfully to what happened, right? So if you're called up to the witness stand, you experienced something, and you're called up to testify to the truth of what actually happened. They testify to the truth on behalf of somebody else. You know what? We're called witnesses in the Bible. In Acts 1.8, it says, you're you're a witness for Jesus, You and I are witnesses for him. We're called to be a witness for Jesus in our life. And I want you to think about this. What does it look like for you to be a witness for Jesus in your life? Like, think think about it very personally. Think about where you spend your time. Think about where you hang out. Think about the people that you're with. What does it look like for you to be a witness for Jesus? Well, I asked... uh, a few people to come up and um, actually if you want to if you want to come up right now that'd be great um, to share a little bit about and this is a little different we don't normally do this in fact I've never done this so if it doesn't work just blame Brad no don't blame Brad Uh, but I wanted them to come up and just talk about what it looks like for them to be a witness in their life for Jesus and I know each of them and I know their stories and I know what they do and it's important to each of you in your life. And so, like, you expect me to be a witness for Jesus, right? Like, I'm a pastor. He's the professional Christian. Of course he's going to do it. But it's not just for the pastors. Like, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are called to be a witness for him. You are called to testify on his behalf. And so I wanted you to hear just a little bit um, from each of them. And maybe we could just start off in, like, I don't know, 15 seconds or less. I'll time you. No, I won't time you. In 15 seconds or less, just tell me a little bit about who you are, uh, your family, and what you do. Can we do that? So why don't we start here? Uh, I'm Lisa Testa. Um, Lisa it might not be on. Is it on? There we go. Hello. Hi. I'm Lisa Testa. Uh, I'm married to Steve. He's back there. Wave. And um, we have four kids. Um, I, for the last two years, have worked for Kent State 
Um, but I've been a stay-at-home mom. I've homeschooled. Um, I've worked for a Christian ministry, a nonprofit Christian ministry. So I've done kind of a lot of things. I'm that old. <laughs> Hi, my name is Brad Bowley. Um, my wife, Rebecca, over there. She can wave, too. Go ahead. There you go. Um, we have three kids. I, um, let's see here. I work for AT&T, so I get to go into people's houses every day and Legally, right? Legally. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We're legal, <laughs> no, so. Yeah, just, I'll take it. Give him the other one. Yeah. Hello. I am uh, John Winkler. It's my wife, Courtney, over there. We've got two boys. Um, I work in a factory. Um, I'm also going to school to be a special education teacher. Um, that's about it. And you're in the military for how many years? I was in the military for almost five years until I got injured. Awesome. Okay, so uh, here's my here's my next question for you. Why is it important for you to be a witness in your life, like wherever you are? So think about like outside the home. We all have homes and we all have families that we're responsible for. But think outside of the home where you, uh, like the neighborhood where you live, where you work, where you hang out. Why is it important for you to be a witness for Jesus in those places? Why don't we start down here, John, with you? For me, um, work is where I spend a lot of my time. So there it's important just because I want people to feel like I feel. I want people to be blessed. I want people to be saved. I, I want to start fires. And um, I think being intentional in what we do and being forthcoming with information about ourselves, our stories, um, can really help everybody. And just to put everybody in the same situation might not be the, not the mine might not be the best, but I'm going in the right direction, and I always look up, and that's where I'm hoping to put everybody else. I love what you said there that like you want people to experience what you've experienced, right? And and I love what you said about being um, like forthright with your story. Like we've all got stories, right? Like we've all got baggage, and to be able to be open with your life the good stuff as well as the bad stuff so that people can experience, you know, what you've experienced in your relationship with the Lord. I love that. It's awesome. Brad, how about you? Um, well, why is it important for me? Um, I guess it would be because if no one witnessed to me, I wouldn't, there's a good chance I couldn't, be, I wouldn't be here right now. So, um, you know, think here there's a there's just a lot of people out there that sort of need to hear it and sometimes it can be frightening you know it just depends on the person you're talking to and um, there's just a lot of different people and you're going to have a lot of different stories a lot of different you know people that you know they're going to I guess since I get to go into people's houses they have a lot of different uh, baggage and stories and uh, I don't know. It's it's sort of case by case for me because I don't know. I'm drawing a blank on this one here. So, but but I you guess want the, you want people to experience that same sort of thing. Like if if nobody did that with you, you wouldn't be sitting up here. You wouldn't be at this church, right? Yeah, exactly. But people took time with you, and so in return, you want to be able to take time with other people as well. Exactly. Yeah. We'll we'll come back to you, Lisa. What about you? Um, I, I would have thought a lot about um, 
what it means to be an ambassador for Christ. So in 2 Corinthians, it talks about um, that we are Christ's ambassadors. And I like metaphors, and I like thinking about them. And so I've revisited this recently, um, especially since I started working my last job about two years ago, because it was a very God-ordained um, way of getting a job. Um, I just really was very blessed through the whole interview, through all the contacts and everything, and I felt like, wow, why does God want me in this place? And I really had a sense of um, his hand being on me there, and I still have seen that as I've, as I've um, been working at, at, at the department that I'm working at at Kent. And I'm really grateful, and when, when I unpack that metaphor and I think about what it means to be an ambassador, um, it's like this idea of Abraham being blessed to be a blessing. Um, an ambassador has a message, right? And a diplomat has something that they're to share. And they have to understand the culture um, of the country that they're, rep they're in. They're representing their country in a different culture. And I feel like that's what I've been able to do these last uh, few you know, year, two years now is really understand the culture. I'm in a, in a university, a fairly li liberal university, which I love, and I love the people I work with. But it's taken time to understand the culture and to take and be able to um, share who Jesus is in my life in that place. And I really feel like it's just been a joy to have that that's cool, and, and you, you're like you're talking about God's providence. Like God brought you to this place, to this university, to be a witness for Him there. And so, like to have to have that in your mind as you go to work every day, and say, "Okay, God, you have put me here. How are you going to use me?" I love that. And to pray for people. I mean, I see that that's a big part of it. Well, that that leads into my next question. Why don't you keep going with that? Like, what does it look like for you to be a witness? So you're at uh, a pretty liberal yeah. university, a state school, and you're a witness there. Like, in your context, what does it look like for you to do that? Maybe you have a story or anything like that. Well, I think that for the first thing, it's, um, I really try to listen. Um, I'm trying to get to, as I get to know people, to hear what they really are saying. And so as I work with people, um, I, I want to pray for some of those things. So a lot of the witnessing is behind the scenes. It's not what people see. It's, mm. it's what I'm doing to bring them before the Lord uh, in prayer. And then um, part of the next kind of step, I suppose, I don't know if I want to call it steps, but is just being, looking for those opportunities that God puts in my path to talk to people about real things. And so um, I've had a lot of instances. I mean, sometimes it's when I'm with a colleague and, you know, out of the blue, I've had somebody say, you know, I think you probably know this pastor. And, and I don't know why they would think I would know this. I'm really interested in maybe going to church. I mean, I've had those kinds of things happen. And I think people really watch our lives. Um, and we're a witness whether we want to be or not, you know, to a certain degree. And so I think people, um, when we're living for the Lord and when we're being obedient, they're going to notice and ask us questions. And it's just kind of cool to be um, part of that process. Yeah, that that's... Yeah, that's beautiful. How about, Brad, how about you? Yeah, um, like I said, I get to go into people's houses every day, so um, get a lot of time to talk to people. Um, oh, my goodness. As you guys can all tell, I'm terrible at talking in front of large quantities <laughs> of people. But I'm going to remember this, okay? <laughs> so hold on. Okay, so, um, yeah, like I said, I get to go in and talk to people, and um, sometimes... I'll just be, like, rushing through my job, like, i got to get in and get out, you know. And um, this one instance really pops up in my mind. There's this house I was, 
you know, I was in, I'm, I'm like, I got to get out of here. You know, I'm rushing through, rushing through, rushing through, you know, it's almost the end of the day. And there's this lady and she, I just happened to be like, you know, I'm like, man, I just really got to get out of here. I'm like, I just get my next job, get out of here and get home. And there was this lady and she was like, um, you could just tell, I, I just happened to glance over her and God just like dropped this, like this wall right in front of me. And I just like, I've never had it so obvious. And it's like, this lady is hurting, like dearly hurting that. And I got, I got a chance to talk to her and, and I was telling her, I'm like, you know, I remember just, I kept explaining God's love to her. You know, she was in the, she had like, um, I cannot remember the, the medical term, but she had some kind of really bad um, muscular disease to where eventually it'll make her, you know, paralyzed. And her husband was in the process of leaving her and I like I started talking to her I was like you know God like he loves you more than like anybody can love you Hmm. and she started crying and I started crying and it's like you know just to just to be able to to give that to her and say you know he really loves you like you know you that's got to be the hardest part of it is is explain to somebody he really loves you more than anybody could possibly ever love you and it's amazing when people actually do accept it and they can think just keep learning like you know you can you can give this away you know this isn't something we keep it's you give it away you know you just want to keep giving it away that's awesome so uh, what i what i love is, and both of you guys touched on this like when you make yourself available you know like when you're ready and you make yourself available to be used by god how often god brings people into your path that like are in hard places or have questions or whatever and, and allows you to be used by him just by making yourself available. I love that. John, how about you? Um, for me, <clears throat> probably prayer. I, uh, I pray for people at my job a lot, and I, I make sure to do it in front of other people. Um, like I said, I, I live my life. I'm not perfect. I, I make mistakes, and I have bad things that happen to me as well. And um, praying for those people and asking them and genuinely feeling pain for them. I, I hurt for them, and I hope they hurt for me. But just opening up, sharing my story, um, really talking through life with them. But uh, prayer, prayer has opened up so many doors. I have a list of people at my job that, that come up to me, and they ask actively ask me for prayers on this, on that. And I write back, ask them to pray for me, and I, I do my best to find inspirational Bible quotes um, just to give to people to enlighten their days. If I see somebody with a frown, you know, I say, God loves you, I love you, you know, we're go- we'll get through this together, we're here together. And just being there, being honest, and being yourself, I think probably the best way I can witness to anybody. That's good. And, and... It's, I love what you said about so much of it's behind the scenes, you know, like it's, it's spending time praying for people. It's lifting them up to the Lord and asking God to, you know, give you opportunities into their life. And, and I think you all would agree with this, that um, none of you have this figured out, right? Like you're all three uh, relatively normal people, maybe an exception or two, right? But you're pretty normal people. Um, who are flawed, have, have problems in your own life, but you're trusting that the powerful God of the universe will use you, flawed and all, 
in the lives of other people, and I love that. I appreciate you guys being up here. Thank you. Uh, in, uh, on the bottom of your program, on the back of your program, by the way, there is a, um, a place for notes. And at the bottom of that, there's a passage that I put on there that I want to just take a second. I want to read. And um, I just want you to think about what it looks like in your own life. It's a passage from 1 Peter chapter 3. And here's what it says. So this is, this is Peter writing in his own context. But I want you to kind of just hear the heart here. So he says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. And I want you to think about that in your own context. You know, like what, what these guys are talking about up here, like when you have somebody that God puts in your life that maybe comes up to you and says, like, what, why do you believe what you believe? You know, like why in the world would you want to follow some dead guy from 2,000 years ago? In your life, are you prepared to be able to answer them? Like, are you prepared to be able to do it with gentleness, right? With humility, but also with clarity, with compassion, with love. And I want to encourage you, you know, like, I, I'm so grateful. I, I realize it's hard to be up here and, and talk in front of people, but I, I'm so grateful for them to just be able to say, like, you don't have to be perfect, you know? You don't have to have it all together in order to be a witness for who Jesus is, to testify to the truth of what he's done in your life. You know, it's like, it's like my wife. I can talk about my wife really easily, right? Because I love her, and we spend time together, we hang out. And it's the same sort of thing with God. Like, when we know God, when we talk to him, when we spend time with him, when we read his word, we can just talk about him. Many times we put so much pressure on ourselves. And, and I want to I wanna just say, there's, there's, I'm going to jump ahead, Rachel. So there's a, there's a bunch of stuff um, that I wanted to say that we don't have time for. But I just want to say this, like, your story is huge, like taking time, John kind of alluded to this, like being open with your life and say, this is what I've been through. Like this is, this is my past. This is, this is some of the rotten things that I've done. Like being open with your story and talking about how God has changed you and how God has forgiven you, how God's given you peace, how God's given you hope. I mean, that's huge. It's huge. And you don't have to be like, you know, you don't have to have everything worked out perfect in order to share your story. It's your story, right? You experienced it. You went through it. And if we would just be bold enough with people, as God provides opportunities in other people's lives, right? If we would just be bold enough to say, here's what I've been through. I made some rotten choices. But here's what God has done for me. Here's how God has changed me. Here's, I want you to, like what John said, I want you to experience maybe some of the peace that I've experienced in my life. Imagine how God would use us Imagine how you can encourage people. Like you've gone through some of the stuff that you've gone through, not just so that you could learn through it, but so that you could help somebody else go through it. In the uh, video that I, that I showed to you, I kind of ended with this passage in Matthew 9. And Jesus is looking out. So this is a, he's in front of a bunch of people, this, this crowd and and they're, they're harassed, they're hurting, they're coming to Jesus for help, essentially. And some of them are hurting for um, reasons like, um, surely, some are hurting because of what's happened to them, like things that are external to them. And I'll bet you anything, many of them are hurting because of their own bad decisions, too. 
And Jesus is standing here, and he's looking out over this crowd of people, and it says he has like this deep compassion on them. And that word is such an interesting word because there's a, there's a depth to it. It's like his heart is broken for these people. He says they're harassed and helpless. They're like sheep without a shepherd. And then he says this. He says, the harvest, he's talking to his disciples. He's got his disciples right next to him. He says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. He's using a metaphor here. And he says, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And guys, that's been our prayer. Like I said that in the video, so cool. A year ago, we've been spending this time praying, God, raise up workers. Like there's a harvest in Barberton. There are many people that are harassed and helpless, that are hurting, that need to hear the truth of the gospel. And we don't got it all together. None of us do, right? But we have the most powerful gift, the life-changing gift of the gospel right here. If we don't give that to people, right? If we don't give that to people who are hurting, what does that say about us? You know, how, how, how much do we really love God if we're not willing to give him and his good news to other people? And so we've been spending this time praying, God, raise up workers. And this is, like, I hope you feel this like I do. Like, look around for a second. A year ago, none of this existed, guys. And now God has raised up a group of workers to be able to go out and to make a difference for him. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And we don't just do it by ourselves. We don't just do it in our own power and our own strength. We do it together in the power of the Lord, right? the strength of the Holy Spirit, we get a chance to make a difference together as a community. In uh, Jeff Bogue's sermon last week, he said something that really struck me. He's talking about, like, you hear stories in other people's lives, or you read about it in the Bible of, like, God doing amazing things, right? Like, people stepping out, and then God doing amazing things. Like, right now, he said, we're writing our own story of faith right now. I wrote it down. We're writing our own story of faith right now. That's exactly what we're doing. Like, we're going to have chances years down the road to talk about how we took this small little step of faith, this small little risk, and we got a chance to see God do amazing things. Like, we're creating our own stories right now, and we get a chance to do it together, and it's beautiful. Father, I am so grateful for this group of people that you are assembling, and you're adding to our number and we're so grateful, and it's all you, God. We know we're nothing that special. But God, we want to be part of the solution. And we want to be able to inconvenience ourselves and do hard things for you and for your gospel because it's not about us. And we're not doing it for our glory. We're doing it for your glory so people would get a chance to experience peace and forgiveness the way that we've had a chance to experience it. And they don't deserve it, and neither did we, God. But in your kindness, in your compassion, you allow us to know about Jesus and the sacrifice. And so, God, as we sit here this week and we look forward to next week, to Easter, God, we do it with joy in our hearts and excitement, anticipating what you're going to do. You are writing a story right now. And, God, we're really grateful that you allow us to be a part of it. And we love you. In Christ's name.